you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Eric B. Addison's. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. Welcome to the program. Mm-hmm. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And uh, Sherry B. and J. Mac are also on tap, and they're going to be helping us navigate the show. Uh, I don't know that we're going to get around to calls today. We do have a guest, and this is a critical topic. Mm. Um, we talk <laughs> about this a lot. We touch on yeah. this a lot. We've been talking about this for years. And finally, there has... Um, I don't know why it's taken a, a minute here, but finally it has kind of come to almost a groundswell yeah. that more and more um, Christian writers and um, thought leaders are responding to the issue of critical race theory. Mm-hmm. Now, let me draw a clear line. And this is what I mean. That this is what we've been waiting for for a while. For Christian thought leaders, for um, Christian writers to respond um, about the threat that critical race theory is to the gospel. Yeah. yeah. Not to just be outraged that it's, you know, you know, yeah. but to really tackle it at the point where it's most crucial. And that is it's, it's sites trained on the gospel. Mm. And I have, I have honestly waited for years. In fact, you know, you would say, well, you should just write something. You should just write something. You should just write something as if, you know, we threw in all of this jewelry and then out popped. I mean, it takes a lot of work, <laughs> you know. And so anyways, but but there are more and more people who are putting in the work, who are um, compiling all of the information and then providing commentary along with that to say that the church, first and foremost, first and foremost, first and foremost, the mm-hmm. church must reject critical race theory. Yeah, that is not a question that that is not even a debate in my mind. Um, we're going to have a conversation around it today. Um, I don't intend, I don't intend to uh, change my thoughts on that. I don't think that our guest is here to change our thoughts on that. <laughs> I think, I think we're in the same boat on I think this. So. Um, and and at any rate, it doesn't matter, you know, if we are in the same boat. It, it matters who ultimately is piloting the boat, right? Like that's what mm. really matters. So, Amen. anyway, we're gonna talk. Um, we're gonna discuss the book Christianity and Wokeness. It's uh, written by Owen. Now, I I want to say strong. Yeah. What do you say? Yeah, see, I don't know. I'll, 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 Let me tell I'll you something. So I, I try to do a little bit of digging here just okay, to make so you, sure. Okay, so done a little digging. Well, but the thing, the problem is this. I've heard it said two different ways in two different, you know, well, in many different settings, okay? Mm-hmm. And also, I, I looked, because I wanted to make sure, I like to pronounce people's names correctly. So Dr. Owen Strawn, I think is how you say the I'm name. Strachan. No, it's definitely not that. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, look, S T R A C H A. That sounds like that. That let me tell you what that sounds like. That sounds like, dude, what are you doing? I don't know. Something bit me, and I just started strotching. <laughs> that's what that sounds like to me. Now, I don't see, think that's that how you say his name. name. It's not. It's absolutely not. It's absolutely not. For sure, it's absolutely not. It's it's absolutely not. How you not. know for sure? You don't know what it is because even the mispronunciations <laughs> that wow. I came across okay. did not say strotching. Because they were all wrong, but I'm right. Okay, all right. Well, if you think that, uh, this is why we get into trouble here in the church. It's everybody. They're all wrong. And I am right. Wow. No, I, it's either it's either Strawn or, or Strachan. But I don't think you would say the C-H like that. Like that's far from Strachan. It's quite far. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite far. It's run all out right. of gas far enough. Okay. You know when people say, we can go a little bit further. And you run out. It's run out of gas far. Oh, all right. Anyways, but so, so Dr. Owen. This is first name. Dr. O. Dr. Owen will be. Uh, wow. You think he'll be offended? Right? Yeah. Dr. O? Yeah. Well, it depends on where he's from. If he's from New Orleans, <laughs> he doesn't care. But if he's not from New Orleans, then he absolutely cares. And you can't just say Dr. O. Like it's. Man. Anyways. Okay. I, hey. Yes. If it's stra- if it's strachan, mm-hmm. I apologize humbly and forever. <laughs> and I'm in your debt. Okay. I don't think it is, but we shall see. No, you're pretty, uh, you're, you're pretty convinced that it's not, but okay. Pretty we'll convinced, see. We'll but see. that doesn't mean much. <laughs> At any rate, the title of the book is Christianity and Wokeness, how the social justice movement is hijacking the gospel and the way to stop it. Mm. That's what we like to hang out. Yes. That's what we like to major on. Um, yeah. Because yeah. we can't allow anything to hijack the gospel. So no. anyways, uh, we're going to spend the rest of the show talking about that once we get our guest on with us today. Um, but before we do that, we do have some announcements that we want to make. Yeah, just a few a few announcements. You can email us at uh, addisons at AFR.net, addisons at AFR.net. Follow us on Facebook. Just search Airing the Addisons, and you can also watch the broadcast live at our Facebook page. Um, we have a marriage family life date night happening in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. That's happening August 24th from 6.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. You need to register at marriagefamilylife.net, marriagefamilylife.net by August 17th to attend because we need to know uh, because we'll have a meal that we will have together. Also, we have the Leviathan Mom Black and Pink shirts are now available at the AFA Resource Center at afastore.net. Also, if you desire to have a clear and concise teaching on a biblical response to critical race theory, you can go to afastore.net. You can pick up a two-part teaching done by Miki Addison uh, on that topic. And so those are our announcements. Those are our announcements, These please. Are our announcements. Govern yourselves accordingly. Yes. Okay, please govern yourselves accordingly. Hey, I want to do something. I know that this is a little bit weird. I, I hope that Sherry B is ready. But I realized on Friday we intended to give away <laughs> a copy of Shadow Christians we did. by our guest, Jeff Org. You remember mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, this was the show we did talking about the Christians who labor and relative anonymity. Yeah. Like people just don't know their names, but they are truly serving for the glory of God and, and not the accolades of men. And um, I thought it was such a great show. I really enjoyed it. We got um, caught up in talking insightful. about bugs on Friday. <laughs> That was that was one for the books. Yes. Um, <clears throat> didn't want to spend the entire show talking about bugs. Well. Wanted to talk about the implications of uh, of um, Simone Biles well. and and just just have a conversation around that. And you know we never made it there. No. And that's didn't. fine. It's all good. That's okay. We it's had fun. we had a fun time though. Gumbo Friday. Um, and that it truly was. Yes. But here's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. I want to give away a copy of Shadow Christians. Okay. And so to um, a person who was listening on Thursday. 
and um, you thought, man, I really would like to read that book. Maybe it was encouraging for you to hear the interview. And also you thought it would be encouraging to give the book to someone. Um, we would like to give a copy of that book away. And so that's going to be caller number seven mm. at 888-589-8840. <clears throat> Excuse me. Caller number seven at 888-589-8840. If you get through, caller number seven, um, Sherry B. is going to take your call, get your information, and we're going to send you a copy of uh, Shadow Christians written by... Um, Jeff Org, who was on with us on Thursday of last week, and we were supposed to give away a copy on Friday. I, I intended to, but mm-hmm. then forgot. Mm-hmm. So uh, no time like today. Yeah. 888-589-8840. Call number seven. Sherry B. will let us know, and uh, we'll make sure to get that book out to you. That's right. All right. Well, the great. While we yes. wait for our guest to get our guest on so that we could start talking about uh, Christianity and wokeness, I saw that this book was endorsed by uh, one of our friends, um, uh, Daryl Harrison. Yes. And Vody Bakum, who I've never met, mm-hmm. um, only admired from a distance. And I was wondering what your thoughts were on, it seems that where critical race theory mm-hmm. first started to mm-hmm. kind of grow as yeah. far as the church is concerned. Yeah. Um, we've commented on this before. It seemed to kind of really kind of spread in reform circles. Yeah. Even before it, it started to kind of breach the perimeter, you know what I mean? It seemed to be something that was just kind of being batted about mm-hmm. um, in what we commonly call, I hate that we say things like this, but in the reformed camp. Mm-hmm. And now it seems like the response overwhelmingly is also coming from the reformed camp. Have mm. you noticed that? Yeah. Yeah. I have noticed that. And I think, you know, that's a, a good thing. I think they are personally, they have been, personally affected i mean the church has but you know i think some of the issues that they bring out from uh certain denominations and things that may be more reform you know kind of gives uh more fuel to be able to uh begin to talk about this more you know i, I think they're dealing with these issues within their leadership in their seminaries and you know it's almost like how can you not discuss this yeah. stuff now and it's yeah. gotten to that that point um i don't know why it took as long as it took because i feel like this has been happening for a good amount of time yeah but yeah. you know now you seem like the voices are arising and really you know saying hey we need to be biblical about this stuff we don't need this stuff within the church we shouldn't allow it and and here's why and so it's good yeah. that that that's happening well, at least six or seven years. Um, I, I don't want to exaggerate it, but certainly I would safely say six years. Uh, it's been sort of like dancing around the perimeter. Mm-hmm. I think one of the places that is, well, the scariest place for it to proliferate is from the pulpit. Yeah. But probably I would say second to that would be in seminaries, in classrooms where mm-hmm. you're teaching the people who are going to go and stand in yeah. the pulpit, you yeah. know? So you've got all of these young men who are in seminaries who are learning um, what what I would see as just like her- heretical teaching. Yeah, yeah. But unfortunately, it has kind of flown under the radar yeah. and not been called out as heresy. It has yeah. not been, um, at least not in the beginning, it was not called out as another gospel even yeah and, it took a while to be able to get to that point and things t- uh, take time sometime to, to begin to trickle down from maybe from the seminaries and in uh, all those places down to the you know ground level because mm-hmm. i think some of this stuff has been taught in churches and people didn't really understand what was going on yes. like it was more like 
I'm, something's yes. different about this, but I, you know, I feel something about this, but I don't really know, you know, because some of these terms were not being used. It, it, yep. it, it always sounds like it's something good, like, yeah. you know, equity and we're trying to, you know, mm-hmm. and, and so I think it's taken a while because of the uh, way that it's been handed down, you know, in a careful way <laughs> uh, to, to really, for people to, to get a picture of what's going on. And now you have people more more so writing about what's happening and so now I think people are really becoming aware. And then you had what's going on in the schools as well and I think that has really you know sped things up cuz people mm-hmm. are concerned about their children as well. Yeah, you know, I I I was I was talking with um um with a, another uh, radio host and TV host uh mm-hmm. in the Christian community about this uh last week and I was asked the question about why I thought parents were showing up in droves and 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 even whether or not I was encouraged that parents are showing up and going down to the local school board and of course I'm encouraged by that but I have to also say um, being completely transparent that I'm a little bit disappointed that it's taken so long Mm -hmm. and and it's not I'm not listen I want people to show up so to speak at the party Mm -hmm. right like I want Mm -hmm. I want people there like I, I want people to be present but one of the things that constantly grabs my attention is what I define, and maybe this is being too harsh and I'm open to the correction, mm-hmm. but I define as what appears to be a functional dullness. Yes, definitely. That is sort of like, mm, no, that's not a big deal. Definitely. That's not really happening. When we started talking about this, it appeared, and, and, I, and you tell me if you felt this way, mm-hmm. but when we started talking about this over four years ago, mm-hmm. it appeared that we were discussing a solution that didn't have a problem. Yeah, because it was so unknown. You right. know what I mean? It was one of those things where people were like, well, wait a minute. What? Like, yeah. And, and so you spend a lot of time actually defining terms. You spend right. a lot of time right. actually breaking things down. And now it's kind of gone out into the mainstream. And, I, and I'm going to say this, you know, because I look at the spiritual implications of what happens in the culture. Mm-hmm. We are watching the culture. This is true. But we're not just watching the culture as like sort of these, you know, just culture watches. We are watching through a biblical lens yeah. what is happening in the culture and looking at the eternal implications of that. And one of the things I think happened was that the enemy overplayed his hand, if you will, Mm. Um, with the proliferation of critical race theory and the strong use of terms among young kids. Mm. And so then you've got these parents who are looking at that and, and maybe you've got the parents who are saying, okay, I can combat that. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can deal with that. My kid cannot handle that. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? And I'm wondering if in a similar fashion, that's what's happening in the church. Maybe there were, you know, churches that said, okay, we can deal with these young pastors. We can say, well, we won't vote them in. But now it's gone beyond just having to deal with the pastors. Now it's being normalized among parishioners. Yeah. And churchgoers are leading Bible studies every day where they are teaching things like whiteness and yeah. white fragility yeah. and using secular textbooks to make spiritual cases. I don't yeah. know how you do that. <laughs> anyway, but our guest will help us make sense of all of that. Aaron the Addisons, we'll be right back. start before the beginning of time with no point of reference spoke to the dark and fleshed out the wonder of life and as you speak 
All right, welcome back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. Um, these are the kinds of conversations that I love to have. I think we need to have more of them. Mm -hmm. um, we talk about this on a regular basis as we're looking at what's going on in the culture and how it affects the church and how the church is supposed to be salt and light. And so often in our frailty, we fail. And, man, we find ourselves taking our cues from culture. Um, and that's sad. That's not what we're here to do. Right. Uh, anyways, but welcome back. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, Christianity and wokeness, a book from our guest. I'm going to hold back on saying his name. <laughs> Will and I have already been over it. And we both agree that we're not exactly sure on the pronunciation of the last name, but we also <laughs> both agree that I'm closer to right than he is, nah, I don't, I don't agree which with that. that really does matter. <laughs> um, anyway, let me just say this. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And that was Osby Berry. So will I. All right. The book is Christianity and Wokeness, How the Social Justice Movement is Hijacking the Gospel and the Way to Stop It. Our guest is Dr. Owen. I want to say strong. <laughs> That's what I want to say. OK. <laughs> yeah. um, Will wants to say strachan. I, I, that cannot be right. Whatever. Just because, <laughs> cannot, you know, I, mean, I just don't I'm not buying that. I have I have heard strachan and that might be right. I just yeah. want to know, Dr. Owen, how do you say your last name? You say it's Strand, but you never know that. Ah, we it's, all were wrong. Yeah, it, <laughs> it's a Scottish last name, and uh, it's a Gaelic pronunciation of a Scottish last name. Ah. And so what that means in practice is nobody ever gets it right because, uh, <laughs> yeah, we don't speak Gaelish over oh, here. Oh, man. Gaelic. And uh, that means that everybody gets it wrong, but that's okay. If I was going to be really manly, I would say Strachan. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Strong. Well, that's closer to what Will was trying to do. Right. I mean, okay. that's okay. Well, I'm you know, of course. I'm glad because I'm, <laughs> I'm a man. Oh, wow. All right. You you know what Wokies do with statements like that. So listen, um, let's let's get into the discussion. Um, Dr. Strand, am I saying yes? Yes, can that's I just, right. Can I just call you Dr. Owen? Yes, you can. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much. All right. So tell our listeners um, a little bit about yourself. Introduce yourself to the Aaron the Addison's audience, please. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, I am provost of Grace Bible Theological Seminary in Conway, Arkansas. And um, I have a wife. I have three kids. I've been married 15 years. Um, I just got here and just started this work. I've written a number of books, including this new one that we're going to talk about, Christianity and Wokeness. Mm. I'm originally from coastal Maine. But even though I grew up in Maine, where, you know, you got a lot of lobster, you got a lot of moose, uh, I always loved hip hop and basketball. So that's what I grew up loving. That's the culture that I kind of identified with. And uh, nowadays I find myself as a theologian, a washed up basketball player and a full time full time dad. So there we are. I think those are the basics about me. And I assume, by the way, you can hear me fine. Am, am yes. I sounding fine? Yes. You're clear. Yeah, you are. We can hear okay. you clearly. Um, I okay. think that as we get into this conversation, we will find that what you actually meant to say is that you grew up appropriating hip hop and basketball culture. <laughs> no? Okay. Like, no. Okay, listen, Dr. Owen, let me just tell you something, okay? Here is what, let me introduce us to you, okay? Yeah. So where there is humor, you are going to find it here. We are not <laughs> uptight about this issue because we believe the Bible is authoritative, right? Amen. So everything Amen. that we're going to talk about today, we're going to be able to support with scripture. Um, you can play basketball and you can like hip hop and all of that stuff and it's not appropriation. <laughs> so you're safe here. This is a safe <laughs> space. You're okay. Um, I love it. Anyway, 
Okay, so look, critical race theory. Um, I started talking about this uh, maybe about four years ago, mm -hmm. and it was one of those things that it was sort of just bubbling around the edge, and not a lot of people were familiar with it. Um, I think we've seen it just infiltrate the church, doing much harm, great damage to the church. And still, even with the damage that's being done currently, not many people have a working definition of what critical race theory is. One of my favorite things to highlight is that it defines itself um, as a, quote, scientist of, or, I'm sorry, a science of narrative, a science of storytelling, mm -hmm. which I don't know how you have that as a science, storytelling. Um, but how do you define critical race theory uh, in your book? Critical race theory is the way to look at the world that sees America as a racialized society and the particular power dynamics that are at play in America with regard to race are that white people and those who benefit from white supremacy, we can get into that, are the oppressors of the society and people of color are the oppressed of society. So critical race theory beginning with those preconditions, then seeks to discover how those power dynamics obtain in American life with special reference to public institutions, the government, policies, laws, all of which create an ongoing condition that many folks will say, they'll use this term, is systemic racism. Mm. Critical race theory basically says America is systemically racist which is what wokeness says as well. Wokeness is kind of the broader movement that the academic ideology of CRT drives. So America is systemically racist and CRT seeks to help you diagnose where that systemic racism is found. Long story short, it's usually found in disparities between racial groups where you see disparities, differences, for example, in household net worth between whites and blacks. You are seeing systemic racism talking and so we need to go on the war path as citizens and we need to overcome systemic racism and inequality. Hmm. You know, this is so interesting to me. One of the things that I find fascinating is that when you talk about critical race theory and intersectionality and the proliferation of these ideologies, you're really dealing with like an 80s baby. But for some reason, it was, you know, kind of able to um, find its home. I say for some reason, we know the history of this. It found its home in critical theory. And so that's mm. one of the reasons why you have such a thrust and such a strength behind this ideology. From your experience and your research, how did this gain a footing in the church? Man, it gained a, church, it gained a footing in the church because I think Americans fear almost nothing more, especially many white Americans, than being called a racist. Mm. So if a system comes to you and says, America is racist, and then some mm, five to seven years ago, you've got these different police shootings, for example, which are read by the left and by our omnipresent media as racist. What that means is that you have a lot of people who then say, oh no, racism is a horrific problem in society. That's not what we grew up hearing. If you're like me, you know, you're growing up in the 90s, for example, we grew up with a lot of Martin Luther King Jr. in public school. That's where I went to school. So basically you heard that we had major problems. We could still have major problems, which is true, but yet we've overcome a lot of our problems. We've made major progress. That's what my generation, or at least my portion of my generation heard. When the police shootings of Ferguson and different events societally happened some five to seven years ago, 
and you have the ascendancy of critical race theory in the academy, you bring these things together and you have a perfect storm where many white people who fear, so-called, who fear being called a racist, jump on the critical race theory and woke bandwagon because it's telling them we're the way forward to overcome American racism. We're the way to achieve social justice. And a lot of Christians haven't thought seemingly for a minute about whether this secular system is telling the truth. Yes, it has good branding. Yes, it tells you it's against racism. But here's the irony. This system is actually for racism. Mm. It's grounded in race essentialism, yes. the idea that your skin color and your background really is a huge part of your identity, almost basically the most important part of your identity. Yeah. And so the weird thing about our anti-racist movement today is that it's fomenting, producing racism. And the church should know better. The church, yes. the pastors and teachers of the church should be able to spot this, but it yeah. seems that many of them have not. Mm. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I find so difficult to do, Dr. Owen, like one, one of the things that is, is difficult for me to reconcile as a Bible-believing Christian to truly understand the gospel, it's difficult for me to apply critical race theory to the context of the church, to say that the church is systemically racist, right? To say that the brothers and sisters that I fellowship with who have come into the family of God through Jesus Christ to say that they are irreparably broken, that they are mm -hmm. always racist, that there is no redemption. I just cannot find biblical grounds right. to try to reconcile that to the gospel. No, and you're not going to find biblical grounds for that <laughs> right. because it's all right. lies. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's lies. Um, fundamentally, any person of any skin color can be sinful, can show partiality, right. um, can sin, can be what we call racist. We can look at the American past. We have abundant examples of that. We even have a good number of theologians and pastors approving of racism and apologizing for it and defending it in terms of slavery, for example. So we're not naive over here that the church can't fall prey to major societal issues. In other words, that the church can't embrace what the world is thinking. Mm. That's what Christians did in the 18th and 19th and 20th centuries with slavery and Jim Crow. They didn't challenge the world. Mm. They let the world instruct them on human identity. They let the world shape their understanding of slavery. Here's another point. Biblical slavery is, is in no way race-driven. There's no justification in the Bible for having somebody be a slave because of the color of their skin or because they come from a certain place. Mm -hmm. Slavery in the Bible is, is usually a condition you enter because of losing a war or economic insolvency. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I'm, I'm a little bit on a different topic here, but suffice, good, it to say, suffice it to say that um, there's no biblical grounding for seeing white people as white supremacists, for example and then seeing people of color as oppressed fundamentally by white people. That could happen, but that's not necessarily happening in a structural way, the way CRT says it is. Yeah, the thing, and now listen, I, I don't want to oversimplify uh, this in, in my communication, and yet at the same time, I kind of do. Because I think one of the reasons that this has been so difficult um, for the church to really attack. Uh, well, there are many reasons. One, I think that there is um, biblical illiteracy that's rampant in the church. That's number one. 
Number two, I think that because this is an academic ideology that we're dealing with, mm-hmm. a lot of people feel ill-equipped to discuss it, Dr. Yeah. Owen. So I don't. I yes. want to make sure that we deal with academia, but I also want to bring this down to the level where we can talk about this on aisle one at Walmart, right? Because <laughs> there are some things that are really on the bottom shelf that we can deal with that have gospel implications. So one, we're talking about um, what the world calls racism. We call it partiality because that's mm-hmm. what the Bible calls it. Uh, and it really deals with the heart. It doesn't deal with man-made terms and all these things. And so when we're talking about partiality, I think it's important for a pastor to be able to stand up and say, I'm not going to demand of this congregation to show partiality to one another. I mean, am right. I am I oversimplifying that or, or can that be one of the calls from the pulpit? Oh, that must be the call from the pulpit, especially when he's preaching a text like James 2, 1, or Old Testament text. James 2, 1 says, show no partiality. And then Mm -hmm. James goes on to apply that, of course, to the rich and the poor in a local church congregation. But that applies comprehensively. Partiality is sinfully favoring one group or one person over another. So partiality is not a new problem. Partiality is an ancient problem. Partiality stems from the fall, and partiality will be addressed in the gospel in a very powerful way, but it's also important to say that partiality is only overcome ultimately through Christ returning and making the world right. There's a lot to say with regard to partiality, but one of the problems with wokeness, as I say in my book, Christianity and Wokeness, is it is utopian. It argues that we can overcome racism and partiality in a perfect way here and now. Ironically, wokeness denies that we have made major societal progress in this country as we have, Mm -hmm. but it also airs the other side. It's airing on all sides because it tells us if we'll just buy into its anti-racist program, if we'll buy enough Ibram X. Kendi books or Robin DiAngelo (laughs) books or Michelle Alexander books, then then we'll we'll put the world to rights and we'll end racism. I watch British soccer, Premier League soccer, and there's all these billboards saying, end racism now. Well, I am totally on board with fighting racism, and I actually believe you can, and we have made humongous levels of progress in the West from the days when we own people as slaves because of their skin color. Abhorrent, mm-hmm. evil, and yet... I'm also not going to err on the naive side on the other end and say, if we'll just if we'll just buy candy and if we'll just, you know, go to the HR training session to expose our white privilege and our white fragility and our white bias or whatever it may Mm -hmm. be, then we're going to once and for all time overcome racism and 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 partiality. No, we're not. Um, the late Derek Bell, who is credited with being the founder of critical race theory. Um, and, and there's some others who were there at the founding, but he wrote sort of like the, the two um, founding papers, if you will. And among the thing, the things that he called for and that he claimed, um, well, let me say it this way. He called openly for segregation. He believed that white influence on black culture was destructive of black culture. So he believed yes. that segregation was the best possible outcome. He was against school integration. A lot of people don't know this. And what we have today is we have people taking these ideas and trying to sanitize them, if you will, and bring them into the church. Now I hear the music, so this means that we're coming to the break. On the other side of the break, what I would like to do is kind of set you up to discuss 
why we can't detach these origins, right? Why we can't detach these theories or um, this position from the origin of this and say, now we have a new iteration of it that is to be taken um, in biblical terms. Like how, how do we change this or Christianize this, which I think um, many churches are attempting to do. So I want to address that and maybe we can clean up that question a little bit better on the other side of the break. This is Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. We are talking with Dr. Owen Strand. <laughs> Straha. We'll be right back. He said it's his. There ain't a thing that's in existence. I got who made it is. yelling from his stone to tell us that it's his. Can you hear him say it's his? He said it's his. There ain't a thing that's in existence. I got who made it is. yelling from his stone to tell us that it's his. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. We are talking um, with our guest today, Dr. Owen Strand. Man, I just, I'm such a perfectionist. Dr. O. Well, you can't just do that. Oh, okay. Like, you didn't get permission for that. I mean, that. you know, he seems cool. Uh, he like hip-hop. Well, Dr. Okay. O. The, I, okay. <laughs> the book is Christianity and Wokeness, How the Social Justice Movement is Hijacking the Gospel and the Way to Stop It. And I'm so glad that he's written this book. I'm so yeah. glad that many more Christian voices are boldly um, speaking out on this and writing on this. And, and man, we need more. We Amen. need more of this. Um, Dr. Strand, thank you so much for, for joining us today. Thank you. I, I assume you can hear me now. Is yes. that right? I can. Yeah, we can hear you well. Awesome. awesome. So before yeah, this is go ahead. Before we went to the break, and I don't want to interrupt. If you're going to make a point, you go ahead and make the point. Um, I kind of set it up a little bit before the break. Just basically, the question was: Can the church detach the origin of this ideology, the origin of uh, what critical race theory is? Can we detach that um, and then or? take that away and then make it something that is compatible with biblical Christianity today? Yeah, that's a great question. That's really where so much of the debate lies in evangelical circles, because, for example, in the Southern Baptist Convention, critical race theory has been read as a tool of analysis, an mm -hmm. analytical tool, which <laughs> is a phrase basically lifted from James Cone. James Cone, of course, drew from Marxism in making mm -hmm. that argument. He said that capitalism did not have the resources intellectually to analyze the American church and American society. And so you needed to go to Marxism for the, the tool of social analysis that would specifically enable you to understand oppressor and oppressed dynamics. So you recognize that that is exactly what CRT says. CRT tells us in slightly different forms, not exactly the same as Cone and Black Liberation Theology, but very compatible, very simpatico. Uh, CRT says, yeah, we need that same tool. We mm -hmm. need to understand society in terms of oppressor and oppressed. And what I want to say, what I say in, in Christianity and Wokeness, this book, is absolutely not. We do not go to Marxism to Come understand on. society rightly. <laughs> Amen. Uh, Amen. We don't go to Black Liberation Theology to understand society rightly. Right. It is, of course, true that people in all, all sorts of different camps will have contact points with the truth. And when you read, for example, Cone, you understand that he's grappling with American history, and there's a lot to grapple with. So let that be said. But fundamentally, the way forward is not to go to the Wi-Fi of an ungodly ideology mm. like Marxism, which is responsible for more deaths than any idea probably in human history. Uh, but the way forward is to go to Scripture and see the Scripture abundantly indicts mm -hmm. ungodly rulers, 
you know, those who would set up systems of oppression. Um, so, so we don't need, we don't need, and we must not adopt um, different ideological tools uh, and, and embrace them in the Christian worldview. As if you can pick and choose and do and do intellectual buffet. Yeah, come on. Yeah, now, right. And that's one of the amazing things to me because we have the Bible. We have, you know, passages. We have Colossians three that talks mm-hmm. about, yeah. you know, these things. And I'm like, man, how are we missing? It's almost like there's a dullness or apathy that's set in, you know. And I, I don't know if it's just our identity problem. I, I'm not sure exactly what it is, but it's like how are we missing what the Bible is saying concerning these issues and going outside of the Bible to, yeah. to these, you know, books and these uh, thinkers uh, that say that this is the way that we should go in the church when we should be right. blocking yeah. that stuff out, you know. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, you think of a text like 2 Corinthians 10, 3-6, where Paul doesn't say, I contextualize systems so that I can pick out the raisins and leave <laughs> behind, you know, the, the soggy oatmeal. Because Come there's on, all right. these... Wow, that was weird. I don't know where that came from. But, <laughs> but I, don't even, I don't even like raisins. I don't know what I'm saying in public here. But um, pick, out, pick out the... The cranberries. Anyway, let's let's keep going here before we get hijacked. You know, Paul doesn't say, "Man, there's all these great Greco-Roman philosophies all around me," mm-hmm. uh, and there were many secular ideologies in his day, just mm-hmm. like there are in ours. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, man, I just I just take the good from them, and then I blend it in a smoothie Come with uh, Christianity. <laughs> and on. what I get is this wonderful Platonic Christianity or Aristotelian Christianity or Epicurean Christianity or Come you know on. you know choose right. what it is. Yeah. He 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 was giving them the raw and uncut. He was mm-hmm. giving them the good stuff. He was giving them Bible, and yeah. that mm-hmm. is what we need to give. And he didn't say I play nice with godless ideologies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he interacted well with those who were not Christians and had respectful dialogues, Acts 17, Marcel. Mm-hmm. But yes, fundamentally, yes. He said, fundamentally, he said, I destroy strongholds. <laughs> and that's, yes. that's not some weird overhyped moment on Paul's part, you know, where no. he's like shouting into the microphone. That is Paul telling the Corinthians, and by extension us, how we approach mm. godless ideology. Too. Mm. Wow. Yes, man. Okay, this is good. Like, yeah, I mean, and and so there's so much that I want to even just to stay here, but I don't want to I I don't want to miss the opportunity to help our listeners identify um, wokeness and critical race theory um, seeping into their local fellowships. And so Mm. I'm going to I'm going to avoid the strong desire to continue to unpack what I think some people think they're doing. I think there are a lot of people in our culture today, Dr. Owen, who think they're having that Areopagus moment where they're like, oh, I see you have this, but they never get to not yeah. let me proclaim to you. They never mm. get to let me proclaim to you. You know what I mean? Let me tell you, they never get there. And that is so tragic, in my opinion, but I can't stay there. Here's what I'd like for you to do, Dr. Owen. <laughs> I, I, I'd like for you to kind of run down a list for us, um, you know, how can our listeners, because this is what people want to know when they're going to pick up their groceries, okay? How do I recognize if my church is giving over to this philosophy, to this ideology? What does it sound like? What does it look like if my church is going woke? What a good question. Well, I think we can even entwine what we were just talking about with this question, because what Paul does in Acts 17 is he... he he is engaging respectfully with philosophers, but he is in no way 
saying, you know, ultimately you guys are getting this half right. You guys are getting this right. So that's what, that's what we're doing. We recognize in pulpit, in, in teaching and preaching the Word of God, that people, you know, of course, um, there's going to be kernels of truth in different systems. There's even going to be a spectrum of, of, of recognizing per common grace certain truths. You know, we're going to recognize in, in, um, in conservative thinkers who are not born-again believers that there's going to be a lot of elements in different parts of their program that we're going to agree with. But yeah. the key there is that it's all coming from common grace, and we ground it not in secular sources or secular ideology, but mm. in the Word of God. Amen. We Amen. know why they believe in the free market or private property or, you know, things like this. So when you're hearing from a pulpit uh, concepts like white fragility, white privilege, white supremacy, when white people in, in a soft form, a medium form, or a hard form are made to feel uncomfortable because they're implicated in this broader system that is racist, you're hearing wokeness talking. When you've got curricula assigned like Whiteness 101 or Being mm-hmm. the Bridge or things mm-hmm. like this, uh, identifying racial sin, you're, you're um, as part of a structure of oppression, that is, then you should recognize, again, wokeness is talking in your pulpit. When you have a pastor, stop preaching from the Word of God or use the Word of God to give you sociological ideas like America is a racialized society and there's no way around the division but for us to to recognize it and then again work against systemic oppression or structural inequality if if your listeners on this program are hearing any mishmash of any of these terms again they're hearing wokeness talking and there there need to be alarm bells going off mm-hmm. and they probably need to sit down with their elders uh, their pastors and talk it through and if there's not repentance on this count, I say this in the book, Christianity Wokeness, it's time to find a new church. Mm. Yeah. Amen. Listen, and, and if I if I could <laughs> just tack on too, if you're black and you're going to a church and your pastor is teaching you that you are oppressed, that you just there is nothing that the Lord cannot do anything in your life that the systems of this world will not allow, that God is not greater <laughs> than the systems of this world, then you are listening to woke teaching and you have to reject it. I think it goes both ways, Dr. Owen. And I think that's what we haven't done a good job of. We we can say we can say, OK, listen. Uh, partiality is a sin of the heart. It exists in any human heart. It doesn't have anything to do with the color of your skin. And likewise, the deception being easily deceived has nothing to do with the color of your skin. So you've got black people who are being deceived and told that you're at a disadvantage and that there is nothing that God can do to overcome the systems of this world. Right. If, if, if God, yeah. if, if this world decides that this is your station in life, that's where you're ever going to be. And then on the other side, you've got white people who are being told that you are always the oppressor, that you are always racist. And, and I think both sides, if you will, and I, I hate to describe it that way, both sides have to step up to the plate and reject it and reject it loudly. And I think just as you say, if you are listening to a man of God who is preaching from the pulpit and in very sly terms, look, and, and guys, I'm not trying to offend anybody, but if you've got somebody telling you that you come to this world with certain things in your backpack, that I mean, I don't care who the pastor is. That's straight up Robin D'Angelo. And and whether or not it comes from your favorite pastor, that is woke teaching. You have certain opportunities. So I think black people need to stand up and say, wait a minute. Are you 
I'm sorry. Are you saying you're better than me? Like, is that <laughs> is that is that what you're saying? Because what you have and, and correct me on this if I'm wrong, Dr. Owen, you have people thinking that they're doing the right thing when what they are really doing is embracing and normalizing partiality. Oh, that's it right there. That is what anti-racism is mm. as yes. presented mm-hmm. by the woke. Yeah. It is presented as the way to oppose racism. And because of the troubled past we've already covered, uh, a lot of white people and a lot of white evangelicals and a lot of people of any skin color. I don't mm-hmm. even fully believe in white and black at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. But, but fundamentally, a lot of people of different skin colors and backgrounds, yeah. ethnicity, when they hear the opportunity to jump on the anti-racist bandwagon, you're exactly right. They think, well, I need to. I mean, if it's a movement like that, I got to get on that. I got to mm-hmm. overcome the sins of the past. And the deal is, yes, be totally against partiality, totally against judging people on skin color. But there's a little bitty irony here. This anti-racist system is grounded in race essentialism. Yes. And it's further grounded in the idea that whiteness is oppressive of people of color. You can't even help it. You can't change that <laughs> dynamic. People need to understand this. Marxist structuralism, which critical race theory and wokeness is based on, teaches that you can't change the structures of society. You can only destroy them. That's why the free market uh, in Europe in the mid-20th century, early 20th century, it had to be destroyed. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a minor tweak to the free market that Marx and his followers thought. It was the destruction Mm -hmm. of the free market. In the same Mm -hmm. way, racialized neo-Marxism isn't saying, guys, Let's tighten the screws a little bit. Mm-hmm. Let's be a little bit more polite to each other. Let's have more honest conversations. No, it may, it may say that in the soft sell, but fundamentally what it's seeking is the destruction of structures that white people create and participate in that mean that they are white supremacists. So <laughs> you can't go halfway with this ideology. That's right. Right. It's actually neo-racism. Yes, it, that's exactly right. And, and one of the things that I say, and I think it is so important for every church to understand every business, every institution, anyone, whatever entity um, that would be willing to invite critical race theory as a tool will collapse under the weight of it. It, it cannot stand up because critical race theory is not there to be an add on. Critical race theory is there to disintegrate, to destroy, to topple, to tear down. And I think that's what people get wrong. We've only got about a minute here. But, man, I I just feel like before we run out of too much time, one quick question. Why do you think this has proliferated so quickly throughout American culture as far as schools, media? Um, Why are we seeing this the way we're seeing it today? That's such a good question. We can talk for hours about it. I'd love to talk to you guys more. I think fundamentally the left hijacked um, different events like police shootings, Mm -hmm. which are, of course, grievous in any any framework, right? We're not cheering the death of image bearers, but fundamentally um, the left radicalized things years ago, and then critical race theory partnered up with it and said, oh, and by the way, it's not just one-off. Trayvon wasn't a one-off, however you read that. I'm saying what the left says. Mm-hmm. This is actually endemic of an entire system. And by the way, to white people, it's not just a system like, oh, that's sad. That's you. That's what you're doing. Even if you never say a racist thought or, or, or action or do it, you're, 
participating in that structure. And so it's such a forceful ideology that it has just knocked our society off kilter. Mm. And then lots of people fear being a racist, as I said earlier. And so what you've got is a perfect storm where people are just bowing down before this ideology, not even thinking it through or challenging it. Wow. And it's terrible. Mm. Christianity and wokeness, how the social justice movement is hijacking the gospel and the way to stop it. Our guest today, Dr. Owen Strawn. Mm-hmm. Strand. Dr. <laughs> Owen, where can our listeners get the book? <laughs> you can get the book on Amazon. It's top 300 right now. Just became a bestseller. You can Come get on. it at a Christian bookstore. Barnes, All right. uh, Barnes and Noble. Yeah. No, this is great. This is great. We're out of time until tomorrow. Lord willing. God bless.